Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Amen. And uh, we're going to look today at the book of Acts chapter 20. Before we turn there, or as you're turning there, rather, just a couple of other announcements that I want to make. Everybody say November 20th. If you're wondering what that is, it's a Sunday and it's two weeks from today. Amen. November 20th is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And most importantly, we're going to make that Friends and Family Sunday here at Living Hope. How many of you have friends? Amen. If your neighbor's hand is not up, tell them I'll be your friend. We don't want anybody not having a friend. That's just sad. Amen. Amen. We want everybody to have friends. But we want you to invite your friends. How many of you have family? I mean, you can't do anything about family. They're just family. But one thing you can do about family is invite them to church with you on November 20th. Amen. I know some of you miss church throughout the year to go with some of your friends to their friends and family. Well, now it's your turn to say, hey, I went with you. Now it's your turn to come. Don't let them give you some lame excuse either. All right? We're going we're gonna to leverage every bit of influence we got, and we're going to fill this place up on November 20th, and the Word of God is going to touch people. Lives are going to be changed. Amen. How many of you believe that? Amen. The, the, it's the will of God that his house is full. Amen. And so November 20th is going to be Friends and Family Sunday. And what we're going to do, we don't have a full kitchen yet, so we can't serve a full Thanksgiving dinner. But what we are going to do is we're going to give everybody a piece of Thanksgiving pie. How many of you like pie? All right. If you learn how to make pie, you'll have friends. I promise you that. So those of you that didn't raise your hands, I'm going to tell you how to get friends. Learn how to make pie. Amen. We also have a shirt. So I'm going to show you what the shirt looks like. Uh, some of us were wearing this at our fall festival. And we want everybody on our friends and family Sunday, we're going to all, as many of you as will, we're going to wear this shirt. Now, in order for you to wear this shirt, you've got to get this shirt. And so today and tomorrow, we're going to be placing an order tomorrow. If you want to purchase the shirt, they're $28 for the long sleeve. They're, 20, or they're $25 for the short sleeve. I say for $3 more, you get a whole lot more shirt. So I got the long sleeve. Anyway, we're asking for at least half of that up front. So if you want to pay for half now, and half later, that's fine. But we're asking for at least half of that up front. Amen. I'm going to be wearing my shirt on, on uh, Friends and Family Sunday. Amen. Probably most of those on the platform are going to be wearing those. It'd be awesome if all of us could just kind of come in uniform and wear our Friends and Family shirt. The shirt just simply says, We Are Family. And then on the back, it has some of our sponsors that helped us with our fall festival. And so we're just going to give them a little extra uh, promotion since they helped us out with that. Uh, there will be invite cards coming in later this week, and we'll make sure that you have those as well. And then the following Sunday, everybody say the following Sunday, December the 27th, we're, I'm sorry, November the 27th, we're going to be starting a Christmas series, amen, titled Gifts That Wise Men Bring. And as part of that Sunday, we're going to be doing free Christmas portraits for your Christmas cards. And we've got some, I mean, Khadijah actually is professional. Like she has a, a business set up for taking pictures. And some of our others, Eric, I know, where's Eric? He disappeared on me. Eric is gone. The anointing just carried him away in the spirit. Eric is also a tremendous photographer. Shaq, I think, is, I don't know who all is going to be helping. But we're not going to have Sunday school that Sunday because 
we're going to be setting up our classrooms to get as close to a professional uh, photography lab. I don't know, what would they call it? Portrait studio? Studio. Studio is the right word, I think. Uh, and so they're going to be top-notch pictures free. Now, what we are going to do is give you the opportunity to give a tip to our photographers. Normally, I promise you it would be a whole lot more than what you're going to be spending, but we'll be doing that on the 27th. So that's an opportunity. We get your friends and family here on the 20th, and we say, hey, come back again next Sunday. If you can get somebody in a Holy Ghost environment two Sundays in a row, there's a good chance God's going to get a hold of them. Amen? And so how many of you are excited about what God's going to do at Living Hope over the next few weeks? Amen. Acts chapter 20, beginning at verse 7. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, intending to depart in the morning. That was his intention, but he got long-winded. And he kept on preaching until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together, and there sat in the window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep, and as Paul was long preaching, everybody's praying that doesn't happen to the preacher today, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. Paul went down and fell on him and embraced him and said, Trouble not yourselves, for life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till break of day, so he departed. And they brought the young man alive and were very comforted. Amen. They brought the young man, Eutychus, alive and were not a little, but were a lot comforted. Amen. I want to preach for a few minutes this morning on this thought. Shut the windows and raise the beds. Amen. Shut the windows and raise the beds. And it will make sense. Don't get too nervous. The Lord bless you. You could be seated. In April of this year, a story flashed across headlines of national news. The news of a four-year-old child that had crawled between the gap of a window air conditioning unit and the window frame on the sixth story of an apartment in the Bronx boroughs of New York City. He fell six stories down to the ground and miraculously and beyond any explanation, the child, though shaken up, sustained nothing more than a mild leg injury. Six-story fall, nothing more than a mild leg injury. However, I would tell you today that this is the exception. To fall from a six-story window to the ground and walk away with nothing more than a mild leg injury is the exception. On average, 5,100 children are injured and many of them are killed as the result of falling from an open window every year in the United States. That's an average of 14 children falling from a window every day. One study revealed that between the years of 1990 to the year of 2008, 98,415 children were treated in emergency rooms due to falling out of windows. As investigators looked into the circumstances surrounding the fall of that one child from the six-story window, they found that on every other window in that apartment, not only in that family's but others surrounding them, that every other window had a guard that had been fixed firmly in place. However, in this one singular window, and for whatever reason, the guard had not been put in place, leaving just enough room for a potential tragedy. 
As we read the story of Eutychus in the 20th chapter of Acts, there are many points that gather our attention. For those, as we read between that 7th verse down through the 12th, there might be many points that stand out to you. For those of you that are maybe not accustomed to a Pentecostal service and probably you're already headed home and maybe even by now you're home. Amen. The service has been completed in the length of time and the preacher's just now getting started. And with trepidation you read where Paul, though he was intending to preach for just a few minutes, he preached all the way until midnight and many of you might be nervously hoping that this preacher isn't about to do the same. We read with empathy and with understanding how that deep sleep overcame Eutychus as this young man sat there listening to Paul preach all the way till midnight. We can probably at some point start to empathize with Eutychus how that it might be possible. Now, I'm not going to preach that long so you don't have that same excuse today, but we can empathize with Eutychus. Or our faith in the miraculous is elevated when we see Paul rush to this child that has fallen out of a third-story window to his death. And Paul stretches himself out over the child and life comes back into his body. These are just some of the points that are primary points of preaching when we begin to exegete and begin to look into what we can dig from this scripture. But in the ninth verse, Luke the writer taking record of the events of the book of Acts introduces Eutychus as a certain young man. Now in English it's three words, certain young man, but in the Greek it's just one word that is used there, and the word is now Aeneas. And, and, and that word that he uses to introduce this young man named Eutychus refers to any male under the age of 40. Any male under the age of 40. And maybe you have pictured Eutychus as a teenager or a young adult, but according to Luke's words, he could have been a, a, a full-grown 35, 25, 38-year-old man, we don't really know from the description. Probably it's some daredevil teenager who his mom has told him four or five times, stay out of the window in our mind's eye. That is what Eutychus could have been. In fact, in studying this scripture, many commentaries even, they leave off their research about this boy, this young man named Eutychus at this point, and they deduct that Eutychus is probably a full-grown man somewhere in his early 30s. However, if we continue down to the 12th verse, Luke doesn't leave it there for us to suppose how old Eutychus is because there's a point that Luke is trying to make. He begins to narrow down the age brackets of how old Eutychus might be when once again in the 12th verse he uses a word that translators would, would deem that translation to be young man. But now the Greek word that Luke uses is the Greek word pais. And that speaks of a child in their pre-pubertal years. Amen. A, a child that has not yet reached puberty. In other words, it is likely that Eutychus was seven, maybe eight years of age. And I, my question today is what in the world is a seven-year-old boy doing seated in a third-story window? Amen. It leads me to ask the question, and I, I hate to be that guy. And I know it's 2,000 years later, and I'm sure his parents have heard it enough times by now. But I've got to ask the question, how does a 7-year-old boy, how does an 8-year-old boy end up in a third-story window at midnight? Amen. How in the world does that come to pass? Eutychus. His name comes from two Greek words. The word you, simply made of the Greek letters that translate to EU, meaning good, and the second Greek word tyke, meaning fortune or luck. 
And so I would, as I would see the approach of leaving a child in the open window, this child named Eutychus, whose name means good luck. It means good fortune. We could translate it to simply mean good luck. And I would say an approach to leaving a little boy in a third-story window at midnight is the equivalent of saying good luck. I hope everything works out okay for you. Amen. I preach today in a year that we have themed as a year that we will grow strong families. Amen. A day that we celebrated our graduating class from our first-ever children's this is home, and we dedicated Malachi to the Lord, but we will not be a church that simply says good luck to our children. We are not going to take a good luck approach to raising our children. As a church, we are not just going to leave it up to chance and happenstance that maybe our children grow up to serve the Lord, that hopefully they don't fall out of the window, and hopefully they're not injured. We are not going to be a church that leaves it up to chance. We are not going to be a church that leaves the window open. And I challenge every parent. I hope parents are listening to me today because I didn't come here to be your pal. I came here to be your preacher today. Amen. I came here to be your pastor today. Mom and dad, you can't afford to be good luck parents that set your children in the window and say, I hope everything works out okay for you. Amen. In this hour, we need godly parenting. We can't put our children in situations where we just hope everything turns out. We put iPads down in front of them and hope that they don't stumble on anything dangerous. Amen. We've got to be better than good luck parents. Now, some of you might have liked me before I preach today, and you might not like me when I get done, but I've got a mission today. I've got an assignment today because the devil is not playing with our children. The devil is not playing games with our young generation. And the devil is just fine with you coming to church and clapping your hands and stomping your feet and then going back to your house and letting your children hang out in precarious places where you can only do the best you can do is wish them good luck. We need good homes, not good luck. We need good parenting, not good luck. We need godly boundaries, not good luck. I didn't come today for your agreement. You may disagree with everything I preach. I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to a spirit world today. Amen. I'm here today making a declaration as a pastor of this church that we are not going to wish our children good luck. Amen. We're not going to let boundaries be erased and our children end up in deadly places. Amen. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I might even leave with some teenagers upset because I'm hoping to awaken the parent in your parents. I'm hoping to awaken boundaries in your homes. I'm going to do my best today not to duplicate Paul's longevity in Acts 20. Hopefully we won't be here till midnight, but if that's how long it takes, I'm ready for it. I'm up to the challenge if you are. But I'm going to preach what is heavy in my spirit today. 
so that as church and as families, we don't duplicate Eutychus. I won't duplicate Paul, but we've got to agree together that we're not going to duplicate Eutychus. Amen. I know it's a great story of miraculous resurrection, but it never should have happened. Amen. There never should have been a boy lying on the ground because he shouldn't have been in a window at midnight. Amen. Somebody should have done something. As I studied into the statistics of the number of children that fall from windows every day, I became aware that as these researchers began to study these average of 5,100 children that, that every year fall out of wind, 14 a day. I, I, I thought it maybe happened once or twice a year, but 14 a day on average. I found that these researchers found that there were some common factors that led to falls, fractures, and even fatalities. As research was done on the over 5,000 falls of every year, common themes began to appear. The first common theme that researchers found is that most falls took place between in the months of the spring and summer. And they began to look at that, and it probably didn't take them too long to figure it out. But I wonder why more, people, more kids are falling in April than they are in November. I wonder why kids are falling out of windows in July than they are in, in February. I, I, you know, it didn't take me even long to figure that out. Well, the reason why is because that's when more windows are open. <laughs> Amen. Researchers quickly connected the dots and understood the reasoning behind this. It's because it's a time of the year when more windows have opened. Why is that? Because the conditions outside are favorable. The birds are chirping. The sun is shining. The breeze is blowing. Why not open up the windows? Amen. But what about Eutychus is my question today. What about the children that we are raising in our homes. I know as families there may be times that it looks like the conditions in our world are favorable and it's okay to open up the windows and let's just enjoy the breeze that's blowing outside. But in doing so, don't forget about Eutychus. Don't forget that you've got children that are precariously hanging out in the bedrooms of your home. And if you leave the window open, you're giving opportunity for your child to fall out the window. I really don't know how much agreement I'm going to get. I'm not looking for your hand clap today. I'm asking somebody today to understand it's about Eutychus. Amen. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Eutychus. There are some things that we need to make some changes in our homes because if we don't change things, Eutychus is going to fall out of the window. Well, pastor, I think you're making a big deal out of it. I mean, it's only 5,000 children. I mean, that's less than 1% of 1%. I mean, it's, it's really nobody if you're, until it's your child. Well, pastor, you're making a big deal out of nothing. There you are in the pulpit getting everybody all stirred up again when it's very likely that my child isn't going to be the one that falls out the window. Raising your children with open windows is playing the odds. It's a good luck approach to parenting. It's placing our children in front of windows and naming them Eutychus. Good luck, kid. I hope you make it to heaven. I hope, I hope it all works out in your favor. Let me ask you, what are the odds of your child spending eternity in hell that you're comfortable with? If I told you today, if you allow that door to be open, that window to be open, then there's a 30% chance your child won't make it to heaven. 
Are you all right with that? How about 20%? Any parents here today that as I'm preaching to you and I tell you if you allow that thing into your home, you are increasing the odds of your child spending eternity in hell to 20%. How many parents are going to say, we're comfortable with those odds? We think that's good. What about 10%? How about five? Is there any parent in this building that if I said there's a 5% chance that if you allow that thing into your home that your child will spend eternity in hell? I hope no parent would stand today and say, I'm good with those odds. Can I tell you, 1% is not even good for me. I, I don't want there to be any chance. I don't want there to be 1% of 1% that my child will spend eternity in hell. So the only option that leaves me is I've got to shut the window. I've got to close the window. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to help us in this room. You've got to close the window. I know that the chances may not be overwhelming, but 1% is too great. I don't want to leave any room. I don't want to leave a little space that my child could slip between the cracks and fall to their death. I don't want to, if there's something I'm allowing into my home that, that increases the chances that my child won't be safe, then God help us. God help us as parents to get beyond our pride and our arrogance. Parents, I'm asking you to listen to me today. I'm asking every parent right now, tune in to what I'm saying to you. You will remember this message in eternity. I promise you, you may not remember the other 300 or 1,000 messages I preach, but you will remember this one. Well, pastor, we've closed every door into our home. The devil doesn't need to get in through a door. He'll come in through a window. The devil doesn't need a door, a wide open door. All he needs is a little crack in a window. Amen. And I'm talking to some parents right now that you're giving opportunity. It may not be a great chance, but the things you're allowing your children to be involved in, amen, the things that you're allowing to gain influence into your home are increasing the chances that your child is going to fall from the window. And I say to you today under the unction of the Holy Ghost, for God's sake, close the window. Whatever it is, it's not worth their eternity. Whatever it is, it's not worth their eternity. What does it profit a man if he gained the whole world? Oh, pastor, you don't understand. My baby is going to be a millionaire. They're going to go on to college, and they're going to get degrees, and they're going to run businesses, and they're going to be wealthy and live in big. Who cares if they spend eternity in hell? Who cares? I'm, I'm just going to push against the resistance that's trying to silence. There's a reason the devil don't want me to preach this today. It's because there's some open windows in our church. Amen. There's some families that have opened up the window just a little bit because you want to let the breeze in. But your babies are getting close to the edge. And I've come today to plead with somebody. For God's sake, would you go over and shut the window? Is there one child in this room today living hope that we're okay with them falling to their death? Is there one child in this house that we're okay if they spend eternity in hell? Hashotoro Oshana. 
Ah, favorable seasons. It's nice outside. Pastor, I don't see much danger. It's just a little danger. I don't really see much to get worked up. Pastor, I think you're making a big deal out of nothing. Maybe I am. Maybe, maybe the odds are small. Maybe it's just a percent of a percent. But I see the danger as the pastor. I see the danger. Some of you have the windows open and you don't even realize how close your children are getting to the edge. The researchers noticed another trend. Not only were most of the falls during the spring and summer months, but 83% of the children who fell from windows did so when there was a screen in place. 83% leaned up against that screen. It popped out and they fell, many of them to their death. Screen windows represent a false sense of security. Most parents, when asked, I, I thought the screen was enough. I thought it was enough to keep my child from falling. But when we begin to investigate what exactly is a screen, well, it's a mesh covering that stretches across the window frame and, and it allows us to moderate what we allow into our home and kind of regulate what we allow in. Amen. With the screen, we can let in a breeze but keep out the bugs. With the screen, we can let the barbecue, the smell of the barbecue in, but we can keep the wasp and the bumblebees outside. With the screen, we can let in the sounds of a chirping bird, but we can keep the birds themselves outside. But they prevent, they present, a, a, a provide a false sense of security. Amen. I, I, I preach today to parents who have been seduced by the gods of this world into believing that you can dictate and control how much of the world you allow into your home. I'm talking to some seduced parents right now that the devil has convinced you that you can regulate how much of the world you allow in and how much you can keep on the outside. It is a lie from the devil today. Let me tell you how much world you can afford to let in your home. The answer is none. Well, it's all right if my baby does a little fornicating, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. If, if they dabble in there with their sexual identity, it's okay if they dabble a little bit. I'll just make sure they don't get a disease and they don't end up pregnant. It is a lie from the devil. Amen. What you are doing is raising a Eutychus. It's time to stop putting mesh screens over our windows, and it's time to shut the window. Ain't no world coming into my home. We're talking about eternity here. We're talking about forever here. Hey, you can't afford to play games. Screens were designed for comfort, not security. Screens were designed for comfort, not secure. And when we start making decisions based on what's comfortable, what feels good, what feels right, I think we can get by with this. I think it's all right if we let a little bit, little bit of this in. Amen. I, I pray to God in this house today that some of you would snap out of your comfort mentality and you would start thinking like a parent. I've got to protect my children. We don't need screens, we need windows. We don't need screens where we can let a little bit of the world in. We need windows to keep all of the world out. 
If you don't help me preach, I promise you I'll get up here next Sunday and I'll preach the same thing all over again. I know you think you can control how much of the world you let in. That you can give your children just enough of this world to make them happy. And that somehow your mastery of the mesh will keep the bad stuff on the outside. You see what the screens do, they don't die from what comes in from the outside. They die from falling out looking at what's on the outside. It ain't about dangerous things getting in. It's about them getting alert with what's on the outside and they end up falling out the window. Amen, we need to shut some windows. Amen, we need to close some windows. Amen, our children are becoming enamored with the things of this world. They're looking out the window and seeing things on this world that are appealing to them. And if we don't close some windows, they're going to fall out. We expose our children. Here, baby, here's an iPad. Let's go do whatever you want. You're exposing your child to a spirit they're not equipped to combat. Well, it's, it's, it's YouTube for kids. Let me tell you, there's advertisements. And all it takes is one for something to be introduced in the spirit of your child. Oh, preacher, you're, you're extreme. I mean, I'm not extreme enough. The problem today is that I'm not extreme enough. If the problem is anything, some of you are dealing with some Eutychus children. You're praying today that God would breathe life into your child because you didn't close some windows years ago. But I preach to everybody in this building, if it's not too late, you need to encourage yourself in the Lord and shut some windows. Pastor, they're going to get mad at me. What? Since when were you called to be your child's buddy? Since when were you called to be your child's best friend? Let me tell you what you were called to be. You were called to nurture them and you were called to protect them. It's time to say, you know what, baby, I don't care how mad you get at me. You're going to lose your phone for a little while. Hey, man, I don't care how mad you get at me. We're going to draw some lines in this house. I like when I preach and I see people getting riled up at me. It makes me want to go after them. I got just enough bishop in me. I got just enough of my dad in me. Pastor, Pastor, you don't understand. There's such a cool breeze out there today. We can hear the sounds of birds chirping and the smell of barbecue wafting through the air. And so we expose our children to eternal destruction all for a momentary experience. I just want a little, let a little bit of what's outside inside. I don't want my kids growing up to be some sheltered goody two-shoes. If I could put a third good shoe on them, I'd put a third shoe. So you're so afraid of your kid being goody two shoes. If I could, I'd make them goody three shoes. I don't want my children falling out the window. I don't care what the world says about them. I don't want my children falling. I want them to know the goodness of the Lord. I, I want them to know the goodness of serving God. I, I want them to know how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in the spirit of unity. 
we set them in front of screen windows and say, good luck, Eutychus. I hope that my exposing you to this world in moderation works out. I sure hope exposing you to the perversion and promiscuity of this world, me just keeping you from the disease and pregnancy, I hope it all works out in the end, Eutychus. It's time to shut the window. The final commonality these researchers found as they looked for clues is how to cure and how to quell these tragic fallings. That is, in most cases, the children were too small to have gained access to the windows on their own. They weren't tall enough. If it would have just been them in the window, they would never have gained, they, they, they weren't big enough, they weren't strong enough to pull themselves up over that window sill and fall to their, to their hurt or to their death. No, what happened was there were furnishings that were left pushed up against the wall. There were boxes or dressers or nightstands that had been pushed up to the window. And the child were able to gain access to an open window because there were things that had not been removed. Amen. There were things that had been pushed up against the wall. And that child was able to navigate themselves onto objects that had been left too close to the wall. And because of that, they fell out the window. Can I tell you, parents, hell doesn't need any help from you in destroying your children. Hell's doing a good enough job without us leaving him any opportunity to use. He doesn't need us leaving things laying around. He's doing a good enough job without it. Church, the enemy doesn't need any help from us in ravaging our youth. But when we unknowingly place tools in their hands and give, listen to me right now, parents, if you don't think technology is a tool that the devil can use, then I pray to God, if you don't hear anything else, I say, I pray you will wake up, wake up. Now, some of you right now that you're already engaged in sexting and all the other mess, this preacher's just a fool to you right now. Anyhow, I'm preaching to some innocent young children in this house. I'm preaching to some children in this building, amen, that I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to preach some sanctity into you. If your children have technology, you better know what they're looking at. Well, that ain't right. Who's he think he is? I, I, rebuke, I rebuke that progressive lying devil in Jesus' name. It's time for you parents to reverse the role and stop letting your children raise you. And it's time for you to be the parent and raise your children. We leave tools laying around that we don't even know it are giving them the leverage that they need to fall out the window. That three-year-old mind was not equipped to understand that YouTube advertisement that popped up. They don't know what to make of it. Oh, no, Pastor, I, I, I saw it and I took, you know, we, we made sure it wouldn't have, one time is all it takes. One time is all it takes to get a hold of that little mind and begin perverting it toward the things of this world. All it takes is one time when you're not looking and somebody pops up in a chat window and begins talking with your child and introducing them to the perverse things of this world. All it takes is one time. That four-year-old mind, that four-year-old mind was not created by God to filter the profanity out of your favorite sitcom. Come on, moms and dads. 
If we're going to protect our children, we've got to shut some windows. Hey, oh, they know it's not really that bad. It's just, it's just this word. It's just, hey, no, it doesn't need to be any word. If you're going to raise your child to serve the Lord, the only word they need to be getting is this word. I imagine that those parents, as Utica's parents ran to the place that that lifeless body lay, they did what most of us do. They started trying to place blame elsewhere. That preacher, if he wouldn't have preached so long, my baby would still be alive. That preacher, if he if he'd have just preached his sermon and shut up and we would have gone home at 9 o'clock, but he kept preaching to midnight, it's the preacher's fault. My baby is lying here on the ground dead. If, if the pastor of this building, if this temple would have shut that window, amen, if that pastor would have just shut that window, my child would have never fallen. What, what about the ushers of this church? Where were they when my baby, hey, let me tell you, let me take the blame off all of them and say it's not the preacher's fault. It's not the pastor's fault. It's not the usher's fault. It's It's your job. It's mom and dad's job to say, I know where Eutychus is. I've got to go get my baby because he's in a place that's dangerous. I've got to shut some windows. Amen. I've got to close some doors because if I don't do something, my baby is going to be destroyed. Eternity, eternity is too long. But we quickly skip through that to the end of the story where Paul comes down and stretches himself over Eutychus and prays over him and life comes back and so we forget all of the pain, the tragedy, and the despair. We forget the emotions that mom and dad, if it would have just ended that way, we would feel, we would grieve with mom and dad that their little baby boy is laying there. After a third story fall, he's dead. There's no life in him. But we don't hang out there too long. We just skip to the miracle. And so we say, Pastor, it's not that big of a deal because they can always come back. They, they can always be resurrection pastor. See, Eutychus got up again. And so my baby who's out there doing all the things of this world and sleeping around and doing all that mess, it's okay because when they get ready, they can come back to, can I tell you, in all of the Bible, in all of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, all the people that died in that timeline, there were only ten instances of a resurrection. Ten. Ten instances. Or somebody, a prophet or a man of God, reached down and touched somebody or Jesus touched somebody or called Lazarus out of the grave. Only ten instances out of billions of people that died, only ten uh, were resurrected from the dead. Uh, And I know we like the miraculous story of resurrection. uh, And it makes us feel better as parents uh, that if our kids get all messed up because we leave the window open, it's okay because God's grace is good enough. And it is. I found that shutting windows is much safer bet than praying for a resurrection. What I can guarantee you is every time you shut the window, Eutychus won't fall out. I can guarantee you that every single, I can give you a 100% guarantee that if that window would have been shut, Eutychus never would have fallen and Eutychus never would have died. But some of us as parents, uh, we're living in the supernatural realm, not in a good way, uh, where we're not parenting our children uh, and we're leaving them in perilous places. Uh, but then we come around, preacher, would you pray for my baby? Uh, amen, church, would you pray for my child? Uh, let me tell you, let me tell you one way better. Get up and shut the door.
Let me say it again. Get up, mom and dad, and shut the door. I'm almost done. Paul, Paul still had me beat. Some of you are like, well, not by much. The same researchers have provided instruction and advice for avoiding casualties due to window falls. And there's two approaches. And this is going to be my closing. Or this is going to lead me to my closing. I don't want to make promises I can't keep. The first approach is you remove the risk. Shut the window. Everybody say, shut the window. Listen to me right now, parents. I'm, I'm pleading with some parents in the Holy Ghost. You're letting your children do things right now. And you're letting things into your home. And you think, maybe, maybe there's a chance that my child can do this and still be saved. Maybe there's a chance that we can allow this into our family and our kids are going to be all right. Maybe, maybe they'll still grow up to serve God. Can I tell you, if there's a maybe involved in what you're allowing into your home, the door is open. You're, you're playing with screen door mentality. Why don't you just name your, your child Eutychus and wish them good luck in making it to heaven? We need to get some assurance back in how we're raising our children. I know, I know, I know. I know that if I do this, I know that if I bring my kids to the house of God every Sunday, I know that if my kids are in Sunday school, amen, I know if my kids are in worship service on Wednesday, I know if I'll spend five minutes in prayer with them, I know. All right, I, I'm, I'm losing y'all, ain't I? This is too hard of preaching. It's too straight of preaching. See, what happens when you preach like this, first step, you make the devil mad. And I saw that happen about 15 minutes ago. But then you keep going, you start making some saints mad. But I'm here to, I promise you, I prayed my spirit right before I got up here and preached this to you. I'm doing this because I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to preach one spiritual funeral of your children. I, I don't want to stand up here and say, well, I just hope someday that God will resurrect Chi-Chi and he'll be back in church. I, I just hope one day we can stretch ourselves out over these young men and, and maybe they'll get a desire to serve. I don't want to go that route. Chi-Chi, let me tell you what I am here to do. I'm here to shut the window. Mom and dad, lock the windows. Don't leave windows open with screens that might present a false sense of security. One of the articles that I read talked about window guards that could be put in place for $20, Brother Silvati, $20. Seems like a small investment to make to not have to pray that God will raise your baby from the dead. Much cheaper for sure than an emergency room visit. Much less stressful than praying for, even if God answers. All that stress of praying that God would resurrect your baby, I just, I can't imagine. I'd rather live without it. It's amazing what the small investment of bringing your child to church a few times a week will do. Y'all hear me? Moms and dads, if you want your children to serve God, you've got to be faithful to his house.
and not complaining the whole way there. And not when you get back in the car, well, pastor preached too long today. It's amazing what the small investment of taking that little child by the hand and praying with them just five minutes a day. Grabbing their hand on Sunday morning and walking down to this altar and worshiping them with them. I know it's an investment. I know it's an inconvenience sometimes. We don't feel like it. We don't want to. But I'm going to tell you, it's a, it's a much cheaper investment than and having to lay over that baby night after night and praying God will resurrect some life into them. Amen. Then, 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 then the bill of carrying that baby to an emergency room and all that you're going to have to go through as you try to emotionally and mentally work all of the mess that's been pushed into them when they fell out of that window. And this is my pledge to this church, to the families of this church. I know that there's a lot of churches going with the screen window approach. That we can get by with letting some of the world in without letting all of the world in. But I say as the pastor of this church, we're going to shut the window. Amen. As the pastor of this church, we're not playing with screen windows. We're not going to see how much of the world we can let in and our babies still be saved. I'm not playing with screen windows. I don't need to hear birds chirping. I want to hear angels sing. Amen. I want your babies to make it to heaven. I know some of you parents don't agree with some of the guidelines pastor puts in place, and so you let your children do things that you know pastor asks you not to do. I understand you think the screen window is good enough, but I'm not willing to take that chance. I'm not willing to let a 1% chance. It's not worth it to me. Well, they're going to miss out on this, and they're going to miss out. I don't care what they miss out in this world. There's only one thing I care if your baby misses out on, and that's heaven. And that's forever. And so I'm asking parents in this house to stand on your feet and say, Pastor, we're going to shut the window. We're going to be godly parents. Brother Silvati, if I could transpose myself into that story. If I could transpose myself back into whatever year that was in Acts chapter 20 as the pastor of that edifice, I would have run up to that third story where Eutychus was sitting and I would have grabbed the hold of that window and slammed it shut and removed the chance of that boy falling to his death. And that's what I'm going to do in this church. You may not like it all. You may not agree with it all. But I prefer to close windows and have to pray than have to preach funerals. Here's the second approach. You can either, you can remove, you know, they, they say you can lock the windows, pull the furniture away. That's a great approach. It's the best approach. Everybody say that's the best. But there is another thing you can do. So first is reduce the risk. Secondly is reduce the impact. Say, parents, if you're concerned that this might happen, what you can do is you can go to every place in your home where there's a window you can begin to plant beds. You can begin to plant beds with mulch and flowers and bushes and shrubs and hedges that are there. So if your baby does fall out the window, when they fall, their fall is going to be dampened. But the impact of their fall is going to be broken by the beds that you've raised underneath of those windows. And I would say, first of all, please don't let this be your first approach. I know so many, I'll just say, don't let that be your first approach. 
Don't build your plan on raising up mulch beds and leave your windows open. Because they, well, they didn't die, Pastor. They didn't die, but they, they've got an arm that they can't use any longer. Every, every fall leaves wounds. Well, they're all right. They still come to church, but they're not engaged in the services. They talk while the preacher's preaching. Oh, no, Pastor, my, I, I built mulches there. They know Daddy and Mommy love them no matter what. Well, that's really great. I'm glad they know Mommy and Daddy love them no matter what. But, but that fall out the window is still going to leave some wounds on them. Amen. Them out there living the way of this world, every time they fall out the window, it still leaves them with some things that may not ever be repaired. Passive parenting leaves windows open. But promises, no matter what, daddy and mommy are still, can I tell you that's perverted parenting? When I say perverted, perverted something, perverting something simply means you use it for what it wasn't created for. So if I use this microphone right now as a spoon, which ain't going to work well anyhow, but if I try, it, was, it would be me perverting the microphone. It wasn't made for that. And, and as parents, when we're passive and we leave windows open, but we tell our children, mommy and daddy love you no matter what. We're going to be here waiting. Poor little baby, if you ever get hurt, don't you worry, daddy's going to love you. It's perverted. Your first call is not to be a nurturer, it's to be a protector. Your first call is run up to the third story and shut the window. First, be a nurturer. Then secondly, raise the beds. Because here's what I, I'm not just here today to say to our children that we're going to shut the windows. I'm also here today to tell you we're going to raise the beds. And if you ever should fall out the window, I want you to know you can come back home and we're going to love you. If you should fall out the window, I want you to know living hope. Mom and dad, it happens sometimes. Sometimes we do everything we can. We lock the windows. We bar the windows. We do everything we can, but I'm going to tell you, if somebody wants out bad enough, they're going to get out. And ain't nobody better at that than a little child. They'll put a bookcase through the window if they want out bad enough. And sometimes things just happen. But we need to rise in the grace of God today and say, you know what? Yes, we're going to close the windows. But the second thing that we're going to do today is we're going to raise the beds. We're going to let our children know that we love them. We're going to let them know that the grace of God is without repentance. We're going to let them know that we love them unconditionally. We raise our hands together today. Listen to me, young adults, teenagers children Eutychus no matter what happens you can always find life at living hope Man, I'm, I'm talking to some of you that have made some you've already done it you've already fallen out the window and you're busted and bruised and broken and you're hurting and this world has left its mark on you I want you to know that we're not just going to leave you laying in the road we're not just going to leave you laying on the ground we're not going to walk up and say I told you so no that's not what we're going to do we built beds for this moment amen we, we built we raised the beds for this moment we're going to come to you and we're going to love you and we're going to stretch ourselves out over you and I believe he is the God of the resurrection and I believe he's about to raise some young people back to a place of anointing where God can use you 
I'm asking moms and dads to bring your babies down to this altar right now. Come on, we're, we're going to be godly. As a pastor of this church, get rid of the screen windows. I don't want them. I don't want them here. Amen. We got, we got, the, we got the breeze as of a rushing mighty wind filled the house. We got the breeze we need. We got what we need in Jesus Christ. We don't need the breeze of this world. Pastor, I just don't know that all that's necessary. Well, guess what? It may not be, but I'm just reducing the risk. I'm just trying to get rid of all of the odds that your babies might not make it to heaven. I'm just, that's all I'm trying to do. I'm shutting some windows. Right now, it's time to build up some mulches. It's time to tell your children that you love them. It's time to take them by the hand and say, I love you no matter what. No matter what you've done, I love you. No matter what you do, I love you. I promise you that you can't go so far that I would not love you. There's not anything you can do that would erase my love from off of your life. moms and dads right now to pray over your children we're going to shut the door we're going to shut the window right now moms and dads only you know only you know what things you might be allowing in only you know things you might be allowing your children right now to get involved that have brought a maybe into the conversation if there is a maybe you need to close that window what does it profit what does it what does it mean if your baby gets the whole world they're lost for eternity. Can I tell you nothing, nothing, nothing? Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you.